Is that kind of podcast? <laughs> Some kind of podcast. Episode 53 of uh, Penny Read. Today, my guests are, or tonight, uh, Daniel Melvin. Hey. Rob Pomeroy. Hello. And uh, a fan favourite. Clint Johnson from episode 28. How's it going, Clint? Pretty good. Excellent. Back by an unpopular fan. <laughs> Clint could be because, my favorite. Because no one asked for it. <laughs> Clint could be people, my favorite. People specifically asked to uh, to not have you on, Clint, but uh, I'm not here to satisfy anybody but myself, and I find you very satisfying. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, first of all, um, we haven't had the opportunity to hear from uh, Dan role, role playing history, so go ahead, Dan. What did you, how did you get started and what did you play first? I got started um, early teens. My brother brought home Dungeons and Dragons. Ah, uh, brother. Set. Yeah. And uh, the first game I ever played was with my whole family, my mom and my dad and my sister. Nice. Yeah. And everybody was pretty typical levels. And uh, I did bunch that for a while until I tried some World of Darkness. Oh, what was your first character? What was? Yeah. I don't remember. I'm sure it was a rogue or... <laughs> I was say, if I was a beating man, I'd say... The very, very first from Guns and Dragons yeah. would have been a thief. Thief of some kind? Yeah. A gnome thief? Yeah. Seems a little kids like to play gnomes and like halflings and stuff. No, I've never played a gnome. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible little creatures. <laughs> Disgusting creatures. <laughs> Disgusting habit. Yeah. Okay, and then World of Darkness, like when it first came out, or you just, like, was there a role play? Uh, Dan and I both lived for some time in a city called Fort McMurray, which is in northern-ish um, Alberta, um, even closer to where all the igloos are. Um, and I don't recall there being a store where you could get that type of stuff. Not too much. No, I think most of the people went uh, down to Edmonton to get it. Right. And so what did you play first, World of Darkness? Uh, Vampire Masquerade, I think. It, were you playing, did you start playing that just about when I came to live in Canada? Yeah, a little bit before. Yeah. A little bit before, maybe a year or something, but it was around yeah. that time, and then uh, we did Mage. Yeah. I think one time with you. Yeah. yeah. But we tried all kinds of little things in between there, and we did some Marvel Heroes. And, uh, yeah, that's right, yeah, I remember that. Robotech or something, where yeah. my ship changed into a robot. Yeah, yeah I don't. Could have been Robotech. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. I probably would have been running a mile since you mentioned Robotech. Not that there's anything wrong with Robotech. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, did you take a break for a while? Because I moved, I, we, we just stopped, why don't we stop playing? I don't remember. So we played, this is about 90, this would be 98 through 2000-ish, 2001, something like that. Nope. I can't remember why we stopped playing, because that's kind of the, one of the questions from... September uh, 11th, everything changed after that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I think it was before that even maybe that we, uh, that we didn't, that we stopped playing, but that's one of the questions is like, what causes games to, to die? And thinking about that, that's probably the only group of people I've played with where it just sort of petered out, we didn't play anymore. Do you remember specifically what nope. caused it? Nope. Just one of those things? Yeah. All right, and then did you take a break for a while after World of Darkness, or? Yeah. I did, uh, when I moved to Edmonton, I didn't play for a while. And then did, uh, then was it a game, was it my wife a second time that got us, that hooked us up? Yeah, and then we started playing again, that would have been 2008, 2009, something like that. We've been off and on, off and on there. Um, And what about you, Rob? Uh, He's probably first played with Dan and another friend of ours, Tyson, early teens. I think we only really played second edition D and D, and made yeah, up probably yeah, basically yeah. stuff we systems made up by usually Tyson or Dan, right? And campaigns run by them. 
And did you make up games because they weren't games to buy? Or did you make up games because you know better than everybody else? Yeah. Yeah. These are streamlining. 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 Yeah. I streamlined the rules so that I could make one up at any moment. Yeah, I wasn't committed to knowing what the rules better than everybody. I would, you know, yeah. try and yeah, well, that is part of it, right? Like, it's, there's a lot of, oftentimes there are a lot of rules to, to learn, and that can be part, of, that can be intimidating, right? So, when you ran your first game, Clint, was that something that you, that you found challenging? Is like, because I know, personally, you like to doggle your eyes and cross all your teeth, so did you find that difficult to sort of, like, uh, get into game? A little bit the first time, when I ran the very first campaign, that was the one I ended up going back again and changing everything just because I didn't like the way it was going and I wasn't really comfortable with the story or the way it was set up. Is that up when you made me retire Fritz? No, that was before that. You didn't oh, play the very before, first yeah. one. That was uh, the infamous uh, Sanford and his snow wall. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the snow wall. The impenetrable snow wall. Yeah. yeah we, we had a game where um, one of the players who's, who's not here this evening decided that he was going to prevent a rushing horde of something or other by building a wall full of, a wall of snow um, which she was going to put together in 10 seconds or something like that and prevent this, this onslaught. We've had a constant challenge out to him whenever he's over to uh, to demonstrate his effectiveness at building a snow wall. <laughs> so far he hasn't taken up the challenge. He is an engineer, guys. <laughs> my, he my, should do this. Yeah, my intention is to, to bait him until he actually does it. Yeah. And then we're going to sit inside the house and say, well, no, we'll give you 10 minutes to do it. You can build whatever snow wall you like. And then when it's fully built, we'll say, I'm not running up there to go through your snow wall. No, no, you win. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You win. <laughs> <laughs> so you played with uh, Tyson and Dan and some, some made-up games and so forth. And that would have been, so I'm going to guess that's like, 90, 90, 90, yeah, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, and were there many people playing back then? Like, did you just happen to know Dan, so you did role-playing, or did you know about role-playing and then you found something to play with? No, it was just the the friends I grew up with and hung around with, moved to Edmonton with, we just ended up doing it that way. We didn't find each other role-playing. We role-played after we became friends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, that's, and that's just one of the things I talk about in, in uh, Victoria is... Uh, is the type of the different types of players there are, and, and I sort of reduce it. And Robin Laws um, wrote a bit about it, and um, I forget exactly the title of the book. It's very good about about game mastering. He wrote about uh, the different types of gamers that you're going to have in your table, and, and I cribbed some of those ideas and added a few of my own, and also introduced this idea of you know the movement from um, from gamers that are into computer games into tabletop uh, games. Like I, I, my feeling is that fourth edition. For all the things that people didn't like about it, one of the things that I did like about it was it introduced people to the the, the notion of uh, of role playing. It was a much easier transition. But um, I always felt like, or I always feel, I still feel today, that you're that you like role playing because you do it with friends rather than because you're really seriously invested in the idea of tabletop role playing. You're much more of a computer role playing type guy. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I don't play role playing games to role play. Right, no, that's right. You know, I. I don't really do that. I still kind of number crunch, min max the way I would with a video game. But you know, it, uh, I mentioned it before. I play this just so we could sit around and make dick jokes for three, four that's hours. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, that's, and that's an important part of it. The yeah. older you get, right? You've got to 
with having kids and responsibilities, I mean, not that you have, Rob, but Dan, I do. And you've got no responsibilities. <laughs> You're like eating chocolate cake for breakfast and, yeah. and laughing at all the guys sitting there taking their kids to school. Yeah. <laughs> I have my pants optional week. That's for sure. <laughs> pants optional days every day at Rob's house. <laughs> In fact, there's no pants mandatory. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, when you have um, more responsibilities, like when you get to be a grown-up, I mean, you guys will experience that one day. Um, but you have to kind of, um, you kind of have to multitask, right, in most aspects of your life. And one of the things that I certainly multitask with is role-playing and hanging out with friends at the same time, right? Like, it's, a, it's just a good time. I wouldn't consider us to be a serious gaming group at all. No. Like, no, we haven't really got to any oh. arguments about oh, rules. Sorry. We haven't really got... <laughs> sorry to break the news to you, Dan. <laughs> We're going to get to that uh, that 400-page dungeon that you've written one day, <laughs> um, and the uh, and so you know crossing over those those things is is progressively more and more important. And I think that and I mentioned it before, but I'd be interested in your guys' opinion on it. Is um, the prevalence and the, the popularity of no preparation games like you know Jason Morningstar's Fiasco and uh, you know, Witch and all kinds of these other games that let you just go straight away, primetime ventures. And I think that that movement is moving with this bold. Do you have any thoughts about that? I think it's like you get desensitized to formula. Yeah, sure. It doesn't trick your brain. So yeah. It's not as fun right. Right. to experience that. So if you can uh, move along the path towards trickier mm. games, I think that's what most people do. Trickier. I'm not too sure I understand the question. Trickier games? Well, tricky as Dan's would. Maybe he can try explaining because I'm a little bit in the dark myself. Because, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wasn't there when you guys tried Fiesta. Fiesta! <laughs> Fiesta! <laughs> comes with these, comes with these well, paper sombrero. Well, like, now we can't all Fiesta. It's going to sound ridiculous. We can't. Well, what, what, what is it? Fiasco. Fiasco. No, I like it. Fiesta better. I'm sticking with that. That's what makes something funny is when it tricks the brain like that. It's sort of funny and fun I, I equate. So if you get bored of a certain uh, gaming format. Yeah. Or formula even, right? Yeah. I don't know. I still kind of get invested in the character, though. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. I find that yeah. a little different, but yeah, that's definitely a downside. Is um, with these sort of one-shot games, or you know, like play on the spot type games, you don't get to invest in that. You can invest in them for a, for a few hours, but you certainly don't get that long uh, that long progression. But I would say of the four of us, that you like um, number crunching and. Uh, Rules more so than any of the other three of us. Would that be accurate? More rules. I'm not too sure. Um, yeah, you like you, you like you like you prefer you prefer black and white. You're less comfortable with um, more uh, laissez-faire sort of ideas when it comes. Well, I think the the thing is, is I don't like it when something goes against me, and there's not a hard fast rule to explain why it went against me. Sure, sure. That's all. Purely selfish. That's what it is. Well, sure. you know, when you get to be a grown up and have kids and stuff, you're meant to make stuff so. <laughs> right. So you uh, so you must have. You must have been without gaming for probably 10 years, maybe almost 15 years. No, probably 10 years, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. At least that, yeah. And so what, and again, that, that comes back to my initial point was that, at least in my estimation, the social aspect of it is one of your favorite 
parts. That's why she what drew you back to it. You guys are all playing. Yeah, I can do that with you guys. So the, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, why not? I, I can do that. I, I've done it enough. I know I like it enough. It's not a. Sure. I can get back into that. And would you say that um, it's like riding a bicycle? Once you get the core concept of what role playing is all about, is it easy to go back to? Yeah. After ten years. Yeah. I I, I like role playing because it's uh, it's actually fairly stress free. It's mm. most nights. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. There are some snowball arguments here that stress people out, but beyond that, I mean, uh, yeah. Even if you don't, if you, even if you're not familiar with the rules, you, a couple of play sessions you'll, mm. you will get familiar with it. Yeah, and, right. and, and no one here is a hard ass about it as much. So no, it's, I it's an easy. It was an easy thing to get back so, into. Yeah, and I think that that's probably something that people are noticing too. Again, is we've got this bulge of of people moving through the played initially when they had lots of time on their hands. Now they've got kids. Now the kids are getting a little older and they're getting back into gaming. But there may be some people that are sort of intimidated about what it takes to you know to get back into a game and and finding other people who are also have flexible schedules because we're pretty flexible. We don't play the same night uh, every week by any stretch of the imagination. I'm probably the least flexible when it comes to to weekend times, but most weekdays I'm I'm available. So that's that's a barrier finding a good group of people that can that you can uh, mesh. Um, Mesh schedule, but that's that's for sure. Well, I would imagine some people are intimidated when they see the multiple books that go along. That's right. Yeah, that cover of Fiesta is, is terrifying to some of it. Yeah, somehow exciting. <laughs> the Maracas, is the sombrero. Yeah. <laughs> Fiasco, eh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'd like to see some. Now I don't want to play it. <laughs> Before I was intrigued, but not anymore. <laughs> I want somebody to get that uh, get that cover and change it from saying uh, fiasco to saying fiesta and putting a sombrero on the guy on the cover <laughs> and maracas in his hand as opposed to a gun. Anyway, there's a Indian uh, zombie cruise. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, I think that uh, for the benefit of, um, of everybody in the world, apart from the three of us, I guess we we all know where uh, where you guys have come from. And go back to episode 29 if you want to hear uh, hear Clint's uh, intro to it. So. So, apart from the books of mine that you still have, Dan, how many role-playing books do you own? Um, do I own? If <laughs> <laughs> possession is nine-tenths of the law, how many books do you, do own? you have? I don't know. Um, I got maybe five of my own. Maybe 20 of Rich's. Right. Like right. And do you care about collecting books? Cause oh, you, no, no. Yeah. Not, all, no, yeah. role-playing books. No. Don't write your Robbie, you got any? You got any Just one? one from you, and that was it, yeah. Victoria. All right. All right, how many you got, Clint? Um, maybe about 45, 50, something like yeah. that. Yeah, because you're, that's your, you're, you're much more scholarly about role-playing games than any of the other. Well, especially books, yeah. Recently. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't yeah. long before you didn't have any. Yeah. Yeah, because you've only been playing for a couple of years, right? Um, the first time it would have been with, with Dan and you guys, so I'm not sure. It was after three me, years, right? Three yeah. or four years, something yeah. like that. Yeah. That long, yeah. So yeah, the first book I bought was like the GURPS uh, set, 4th edition, uh, and I just started collecting that and I kind of got out of that, and then I got some old D&D. Did we even play GURPS? Yeah, that was the system we used for my first uh, right, sure. first games, even this current one that I'm running, we used GURPS for about halfway through, then I was like, oh, I don't really like that one. Yeah, I think that was the Mar- McGay Baker episode, right? Yeah. which you talked about system... Um, 
changing systems in the middle. <laughs> changing systems in the middle. But the system should reflect the the game you want to play. Try, yeah. So I dropped GURPS and I went with Harn. Right, yeah. And that it's it's more of a reflection on on the type of world, the type of game. And it's a lot it's fairly simple once you get past the initial math. Well the initial math kicked my ass in Harn though. Yeah. yeah. I found Well I made a spreadsheet. <laughs> he had to make a spreadsheet. <laughs> and I'm going to confess to everybody, no surprise when you list this, that I've still got no idea what the rules are for uh, Bahan. I, I played it. Well, it's pretty much, it's just percentile. So. Just tell me how to roll, so no, yeah. I'll roll it. So, since it's been probably, it must be coming on for seven or eight months, probably since we recorded episode 28, right? Have you, is it, would you say anything's changed about your approach to role-playing or about what your favorite book is or what you like the and what really scratches niche for you? Um, probably the biggest conversation, the biggest change was the, uh, that McGay Baker thing again, was the changing system to reflect yeah. um, to the type of story you want to play. I'm trying to write something now, and that's the biggest question is how to write a system, how, do you, how to make a system where what you have on your character sheet is reflective of the way you want to play. Mm. What information is is specific to the game? I mean, this is the yeah. first time you've tried to make rules yeah. from scratch. For, yeah. For so, what have you found most challenging about that? Um, just trying to fit it into the world and the type of stories and the way that people want to play. Like trying to think of other ways other than what we play because I don't think we're we're I don't I don't know typical, but we're not that. Yeah, I, I don't know uh, that we're because I've never played with any other group. No, that's so. right. Yeah, it's hard to get a, it's hard to get a frame of reference on it. But um, I still think the vast majority of people play rules hard games. I would say, yeah. like I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is still the is still the, the biggest sort of uh, biggest game by far. Um, but I'm actually pretty ignorant about. The exact numbers of any particular any particular set, but I, th I think that even though you would only sell, and then you probably wouldn't sell, you'd give them away to us. Um, I think that because you're never going to make, I'm not trying to crush your dreams here, but like, so <laughs> I will. <That's> right. <laughs> you're never going to make more money doing that than you are doing your current job. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it's got to be a labour of love. Unless it be something like some miracle, somebody looks at it and says it's amazing, and they give you a job at that, like Wizards of the Coast. But even then, I don't know if they pay you more at Wizards of the Coast. Probably not. No. They pay you. What well, you might get something where it's like some like kind of spec work or something like that where it's like yeah. based on the yeah. volume of sales or something like that so, yeah okay if you get a, you get a percentage point or something like that. I don't even know how that, that works but I don't think that any one of us is in a job where you'd get more money designing games you'd have to design a tremendously popular game almost by yourself to really I think to really you can make a living at it doing what you love is certainly more valuable than doing something you hate reading and paid a lot of money for but, but yeah I don't, I don't imagine it's a uh, a viable uh, career choice, um, at least if the bottom line is, is where you're at. Um, and you'd also roll. Also, yeah, well, throwing around with it, I mean, I, I try to take my turn as a GM every now and then, and the two campaigns that I've started and played around with, uh, yeah, I, for me, it's just always been trying to make it fairly simple. But robust to be able to count, be able to roll for anything that you need to roll for, but without having uh, tons of numbers. If you remember, the space campaign was just so so many numbers; it was 
just impractical. That was a lot of spreadsheets. Oh, boy, a lot of spreadsheets. It might as well have been hard. I mean, I <laughs> well, you were actually thinking about using a computer for some. Well, I, yeah, I was. Some that's, of the role in, that's kind of what you, I was you trying to do: hard, is reproduce the video game, right? That, that, that's right. But yeah. but kidding aside, there are going to be games in the future that are probably going to be based upon apps of some kind that you can do on your uh, during your telephone, during Absolutely. your pen. I think that's an obvious direction yeah. for it to go, is that you have a lot of supplemental tools to help you either run a game, keep track of your character, yeah. that sort of thing. I'm surprised, I'm always surprised when I look for this stuff that there's not more out there. Or that they're not very good. Or, yeah, they're not <laughs> I very good. I used to look at GM toolkits a lot. Mm. I used to be very automated in a lot of the things I had in my games. Yeah. Um, from sound to slideshows. GM toolkits. Yeah, that interpreter dance was weird. That one <laughs> yeah, whatever it takes to immerse people. He's moved. I don't know if I ever did lighting. Um, I think I might have turned, I, might, I, I think that's probably the closest I've ever come to, to a concession for you. I might have turned the lights down maybe, or only play, yeah, that's one thing I did is I only played Vampire at night when I ran a, a game and I used to swear you always used to turn the temperature down. <laughs> My house is always very cold. Yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah. But um, but yeah, in terms of adding things to the game, I don't think any one of us really do anything like that. Props or, or no. That. I think the only thing I had, I had music in mind for one for a funeral scene or something. Mm. Like that. I'd like to do if I had a lot more time. And I'd, I think people complained that it was too festive for a funeral. <laughs> I still get a little weirded out when you guys do accents. <laughs> really? You know, yeah, much I, I just, I not weirded out. I have to take a double take and you feel embarrassed. Step back a little bit and yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to do one, but I'll talk to you. Yeah. Did you, did you do the the Carlisle masks? What was it? Massive Mask Carlisle 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 expedition. Did you do that one? Which was that? Oh, no, the best accents. Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah no, I think every one of us had a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's fun to do accents. It's one of the things that I liked about Victoria is um, is doing uh, is doing accents, like running games. Have you had a lot of accents? She loved in that game. Uh, some people give it a shot. Sure, as a percent. Yeah. Well, um, I think that it. I think that it depends on the people in the game. If one person does it, carefree style, I'm doing it all the time. But if one person in the game does it as well, and they don't seem to, it doesn't seem to be like an embarrassment sort of like half step, they just get straight into it. Uh, if, for example, one of the first times I played um, Victoria, uh, the um, Victorian Prometheus, which is the sample adventure from Victoria, at a role playing convention, I played it with Sean Nittner and uh, Keely Taylor and Karen Twelves, uh, the first three guests I had on the show, as it turns out, um, and they all they all did. Accents. Like even yeah. Keely, I think it was the least comfortable doing. Did, did they know each other when they signed up? Uh, Karen and Sean did. Uh, Keely didn't. Yeah. So I mean, we're all so basically aside from those two. <coughs> but if more than one person's doing it, but that's the that's the other thing is that it's almost like public speaking in a way. If for a really small group, that's what role playing is. You're public. You're public speaking, right? Because you do take the floor. But you know what? Actually, I think no, when I, I think about it, what was odd about it is that it actually was a different way of playing the game than what we normally do. Normally when we play, we talk about the conversation that mm. the characters are having. Yeah. We don't actually act out the conversation. Yeah. I think I think it depends on who the GM is though, right? I think mostly I play, I think no, I mostly I act, yeah. Dan mostly acts his conversations. Yeah, I see what you mean. When you're, when you're doing an accent, it's almost real time. 
Yes. You're, you're actually mm -hmm. role-playing the conversation. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, I'll go, well, I'm going to use my intimidation. I'm going to try to get the guy to... Yeah. Right. Drop his sword out sure. of fear. You right. know, I'll describe what I'm going to do as sure. opposed to role playing yeah. it. But, and See. I think that also goes a little bit towards the types of role playing games you like and the types of things that you like to do in the role playing game. You're more action based rather than character based. Like you like your character to progress, but your character to progress um, uh, numerically. Right, like it's it's hard for you to quantify. Get, get better at something. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, and that's much more of the video. That's more in the video game mold than um, than sort of the story game sure. mold, right? Yeah. Um, nothing, nothing wrong with that. But I think that um, when I'm GMing, I like to play out the play out the dialogue. What would you say you are, Clint? Would you are you half and half? Do you half feel, and half? Yeah. Do you feel uncomfortable doing the voices? Um, or it depends on the character. Like there, there's some of the characters that I like. I actually think you respond to what your player, what your player, probably something like that, more yeah. so than anybody else. Yeah, right. Like there's a couple of characters in the, in the current campaign that I'm running that I feel much more comfortable with. Yeah, and I can, I can, I feel that I can talk as that character much more naturally. And there's others that it's like, well, I don't really. I have kind of a background of some of the characters. But it's like I don't know them that well, kind of thing. So it's like this is what they're saying, yeah. rather than just saying it. Yeah, and that's something that's common, I think, to a lot of fiction writers. Um, I wouldn't classify myself as a fiction writer, although there is a certain amount of fiction in uh, in Victoria. Uh, just that some characters jump off the page, right? Even when you're writing up an NPC, some of them are just cool right? they just resonate with you for whatever reason you find much more easy to inhabit their skin than i don't know if i i know how often or if i know if my npcs are going to come to life like that when i write them up yeah they might have a prominent role but it's i find it's different ones sometimes unexpected ones well yeah also yeah. like oh this guy he's going to be cool mm. yeah that's that's you won't true too. first no, no that's right I, I don't always no what was an example from uh concrete or one of those ones no, I don't know. Okay. Offhand. Oh, I thought you were going to say the... Uh, <laughs> you thought I had something. I think I had something. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? Well, uh, come on, it's got to be the stabby stabby guy. <laughs> I, I wasn't even here for that, and I know about that. <laughs> um, the Russian. The Russian of a pilot in Tacloma. Oh, yeah. What was his name? Catman. Yeah, yeah, he became a central character. Almost yeah. to your, the yeah. level of your character. That's right, and that's the bit players, the bit players that steal the scene, right? Like, but you I, still often see it in movies, I right? do have those guys in my games, the NPC that joins the group, but on a different level of the group. Yeah, yeah, sometimes they're just kind of a tool, in a way, and then other times they really come to life. Oftentimes, perhaps, like you say, Rob, it's that, that, that uh, you respond to the way the character, the, the, the players, through the characters, respond to your NPCs, right? That's what brings, that's what breathes life into them as well. The way they the way they interact. Oh yeah, no, my my point earlier was that I think Clint, as a GM, more than anybody else, when they GM, is his he will go either way with the uh, mm. dialogues. He'll talk about the dialogues, or he'll you know rope right. the dialogues. Right. Sure. Uh, he he responds to the players a little bit more that way. Yeah. So, if you're about to be executed, Rob, uh, what would you play? You find a role playing supper, or alternatively, we just pretend that everybody is going to be mind wiped, um, and nobody would ever know what uh, role playing was. Is there any particular game other than uh, Fiesta that you'd play? Fiesta sounds like a lot of fun to me. <laughs> no, I, I mean I gotta say something like D and D Second Edition because that's All right, yeah, what sure, I'm probably most right? familiar with. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. What are you, Dan? Um, I might choose that out of, out of certain nostalgia if I could just make it my own. 
Yeah. Are you time? I'd like to think I'd be finished my game by the time that uh, this happened, so maybe that one. It would depend on my audience, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, well let's go to the next question, which what, is... What game is suitable in prison? Well, in that case, let's pretend that not only can you have... <laughs> there, there are actually some... There are actually I don't some think you're going to like the games in prison. <laughs> there are some prisons where it's illegal to roleplay. Like, they've taken all the, do the books away and stuff like that, right? Like, they don't allow people well, to have it. still just make it up, but... No, I know that's the thing. It's what you can you do, right? Taking away dates. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe. What do you do that? I don't know. Well, let's not find <laughs> out. <laughs> let's let's not find out. I'm sure, you can um, always bring something. Okay. Well, while we're talking about final suppers, then, and, and depends on who you're going to play. With. If you could role play with uh, four people, uh, any four people, living or dead, uh, who would it be in one? You can't choose game designers, and you can't choose any one of us, and uh, you can't choose family members who have died, and you want to just want to see them again. So four people. Uh, for me, um, I hear Robin Williams is a gamer. So yeah, I've heard that too. Is he is he a pencil and paper gamer? Because I know he does World of Warcraft. I've heard he does uh, like uh, he used to do. He used to do Quake, was it? I remember. Yeah. Wow, that's going back. Yeah, yeah. He used to do I Quake. Think it's yeah, and tabletop as well. Yeah. Well, it was like Vin Diesel and um, Tom Hanks. And either way, actors I mean, that that's, that's, that's going to be good either way. Okay. I'd probably choose. Do you think? You don't think he'd be too over the top? Over the top. Robin Williams, he doesn't. He seems to be. He seems to be himself. Um, the only times when he's not being him, himself is when he when I saw him in uh, Goodwill Hunting. And uh, you think he's one of those guys that's always on? Well, I wonder because even on talk shows, he's always on. He always like he. I don't want to say he can't help okay. himself because there's nothing wrong. With, I don't have a lot of guys on. to choose. It's really hard for me to pick. So. Yeah. Let me go with Robin Williams. No, I'm not. Be, I'm asking. I might be, but unfortunately, because you can't. Invite current members, right? Right. So I can't invite you. So, huh. so but I, I choose I choose Rich Thorne and maybe. Uh, All right. Yeah. Rob Drinkwater, just two people I played with. Right. Uh, that's when we started the uh, the vampire. Right. Um, and how many? Is that all of it? Four. Yeah. Do you have one more? One more. Cindy Crawford. You choose Cindy Crawford. Why? Library cheese in the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a dream you had. You told us all about it. We didn't want to hear it. But. You never know. So I tried it anyway. <laughs> so you don't care for this at all? No, no that's right. What are you going to play then? With uh, Cindy Crawford, Robin Williams, Rob Drinkwater, and Rich Thorne, what are you going to play? Probably something I just make up. Just going to make it up. Are you going to be the GM? Yeah, I would be. All right. Keep Fair it enough. simple. Here's some stats. Right. Let's go. Alright, what about you? So you said uh, they can't be dead? Uh, no, they can be dead, but they can't be um, dead family members that you want to bring back. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. okay, well, let's, let's see here. A GM. Uh, 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 let's go with Jordan. Robert Jordan. Robert Jordan, alright. We'll be the GM. We'll play a Wheel of Time. Uh, nice. RPG. Right. <laughs> Why not? You don't need a funny guy. So, Ward Wounds was pretty good. That's a good pick. But maybe like... Uh, Maybe like Louis C.K. or someone like that. All right, nice, yeah. Just someone who's going to be amusing. Someone needs to cook. So a celebrity chef. Uh, I don't know any. Somebody said they're making a meal. As, as Absolutely. A meal. Give us right. some sausage bombers. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay. 
Or is he just well, not. Well, well, he's going to yell at you the whole time. <laughs> well, if he's cooking, he may not yell. But he, I think he's kind of funny. The Wendy's girl. She's like. He's be, she's got the food. No, I'm going to go with Rand. Celebrity. Because I think him and Louis oh, C.K. would be pretty yeah, funny. Or I think that'd be good stuff. It's like it'd be amusing to watch Louis. Oh, I watch think, that Gordon Ramsay yelling at Louis C.K. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be good stuff right there. And then you need the eye candy. Um, would it be even better to maybe get Louis C.K. to cook? Touche, yeah. So who do you who do I get for eye candy then? There's no requirement for you to have eye candy, you're aware of that, right? So last what, supper? Uh, is that what it is? Uh well, well, we'll it kinda is a requirement. Okay, that's all right. the last okay. I'm not too sure where you're coming remember, from. Remember you've ruled me out, so What's that? I'm ruled out, so you can't choose me. Well I can't choose any of you guys. That's so. right. <laughs> what? Uh no, I don't know. Jeez, that the last one. I need uh, need a hottie. Okay, what about you, Clint? Well, Rob's thinking about that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be interesting to have. Um, just because I'm interested, in, I have a political science kind of background. Maybe like a bunch of politicians that would never be in a room together. Oh, good grief! All right, don't <laughs> you're not going to choose Julius Caesar no, no, or something like no, no, or Caligula or any of those guys. I want some politicians. Now, name four obscure Canadian politicians. Yeah. Go on. I don't know, like uh, was it Harper? Oh, God. oh God. <laughs> So Stephen Hoffman, current Prime Minister of Canada. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I think he might actually be kind of a, he might Who's be a member of Parliament. It's, it's possible because he's kind of a nerd. So. You know, this is a wish, though. So okay. would you really want no. to risk on Stephen Hoffman no. being into role Bob playing? Ray? No. <laughs> um, Rob Ray, the the, the guy. Bob, the, Bob Ray. Oh, not Rob Ray. I thought Rob Ray. Okay, a hockey player. He might be, you know. No, Bob Ray. <laughs> okay, nobody knows who Bob Ray is. <laughs> um, Sorry, Bob, if you're listening. <laughs> but if you are listening, I know somebody that wants to roleplay with you if you're having trouble getting a group together. Um, yeah, I think it'd be something like the group, other people said, like we have comedians and um, maybe like uh, Sal Galifianakis or Patton Oswalt. Right. Or um, Patton Oswalt. Maybe, and for a writer, maybe something like Alan Moore. Okay, so Alan Moore, Stephen Harper, Patton Oswalt, and Zach Galifianakis. Bro, what are you going to play? I don't know, something like Fiesta? <laughs> yes, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, I think, I I think, think that's appropriate. Yeah. What's her name? Uh, Felicia Day? Saturday? Felicia Day, yeah. Yeah, she would be my fourth right there. All right. Perfect, because she's a gamer too. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she would actually know how to play. She could teach us all how to play. I'm just going to say that. I'd pick Jennifer Love Hugh, but I think I don't think that would work. I heard she's Why wouldn't she's in the game? Yeah, that's true. I heard why, that wouldn't they, why wouldn't that work out? Then? You know, you're role playing, right? You think you're hoping that it's going to lead to something else? Well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if role playing is too much of a sort of a gateway to a serious ongoing relationship, but. Well, uh, well, I mean, you wanted a serious thespian, so. <laughs> That's right. Is That's, well, was that what he said? <laughs> I misheard that. I don't think she's got the chops. <laughs> she can't pull off a barbarian or something. Right, so, um, and uh, who's going to be in charge? Or are you playing Fiesta, so there's, no, there's, there's nobody's in charge. Nobody's in charge of Fiesta. Okay, so going in reverse order then, Clint, uh, Hell exists, and you are uh, condemned to play a certain style of game. Um, for uh, for all eternity, that is your that is your hell, um, and it's not a matter of slamming uh, another game. It's just a, a type of 
game that uh, that rubs you up wrong, where you find boring, or things that happen that's like, oh, I can't wait till this piece is finished. It'd be something like a, maybe not a dungeon crawl, but something very rules-heavy with a GM who isn't totally familiar with the rules. Oh, nice. Um, so he's having to backtrack on what he says all the time. <laughs> you have another player who's a rules Nazi, right. who knows the rules inside and out oh, way yes. better than the GM, nice. and is constantly bickering That's over... the first team using my rule. <laughs> it's constantly bickering over um, the slightest little thing, like the range of a bow of a short bow versus a long bow with an elf and strength and all the little modifiers and everything like that yeah. and it's over nothing like it's it's a it's you know you make the roll and you kill the orc and then wait 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 we have to go back and do this again and nothing changes it's and it's an hour an hour of playing where nothing happens you just move through this dungeon killing stuff that doesn't matter and maybe for the uh for the other people, maybe you have somebody who, again, like other people said, somebody that uh, thinks they're really funny but aren't, so like Dane Cook or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is kind of funny. <laughs> you know the question was, role-playing hell not describe your last game, right? <laughs> what are you, Rob? Uh, LARPing. LARPing? Just... And you know, yeah, yeah, acting it out. I just would not enjoy that. Yeah, because that's very uncomfortable. That's an extra, that's an extra extra step. Like you're kind of you're at the the rules, character numbers, sort of end, right? So that's going like right off the deep, and that's not even yeah, like not even and, and in my just doing zone. a weird voice. That's like actually getting up and, and, and wearing costume and yeah, you know, no. and having to ha- handle your face for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not here. I'm yeah, not. yeah, no, that that would be uncomfortable. It would not be fun at all. Have you ever done any? Have you ever done any laughing or seen it done? Uh, no, because I think there's actually two different types of two different types of LARPing. At least in my experience, there are ongoing LARP campaigns where you make up a character and you are that campaign day in day out, like like some of the World of Darkness, Camarilla type things, where you play that same character and you've got these ongoing and evolving storylines. But and I don't think I could get into that. That but, sounds creepy. But uh, well, plenty of people do it. Don't judge them. We're trying to be inclusive here, but you're right. Um, creepy people. So, but then there was like this one-shot laughing, one-shot laughing games where you don't get all dressed up. You show up and you read your character, and then you sort of play that character for the, for for three hours. You've got a very strictly defined goal. Um, you can go into um, role playing your character, but it's much more at the. I think you'd be much more comfortable. Um, with that type of, of, of LARPing because oftentimes the story gets driven by the very specific character goals that um, are written on the written on the sheet for it. That sounds not as bad because you're yeah. not as likely to uh, kind of become a part of that character. That's right, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the part that I, I have a little bit of trouble with, the ongoing ones. Yeah. yeah. How much you become that Well, character. there's those guys up at the park just... By your well, yeah, I did see some that do that. Uh, the foam sword, foam guy, sword right? guy, yeah, no, like yeah. Uh, Lair or whatever it was called in uh, role models, right? Yeah, and I mean, I, I said LARPing just because it was an easy one for me to, to pick because I'm not familiar with a lot of different right. types, but that's definitely not the way I would like to role play. Right, so like um, a sort of a, a sort of game that requires you to um, play out every aspect of the game in the first person. 
Yes. Rather than being able to say, my character does this, my character does that. Yeah. You've actually got to get up and, and do all this stuff. And you can't editorialize a conversation. You've actually got to run the conversation through in order for it to actually happen. No, exactly. Because I always think that, you know, my character skills are going to be different than mine. Mm. So his ability to convince another NPC shouldn't be based on my ability to imitate that's, him or that's to exactly. try to make mm. him up. What I was just thinking about the types of characters I imagine you like is there's a disconnect yeah. between you and the character. They should be able to no way related to me, yeah. even though it's from. Yeah, it's not necessarily something that I need to be good at doing. Live and interacting, that has. That's to all you. You can't help it, but yes. it's sort of be you. Well, yeah. 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 And that's really that's a really for me at least a contentious piece of uh, of role playing. I don't mean contentious in terms of arguing, but that's maybe contentious even is the wrong word. But most difficult to reconcile because I know for for myself that when I'm role playing, I take a look at I try to take a look at the, s the social skills that the other people in the group have, so that I can get my character to react appropriately. So, like you say, my character does this, and you sort of describe it in some way. And if I know that you're really socially capable, I feel like it's incumbent upon me to react as if that's the best idea I've ever heard or delivered in the most charismatic fashion um, in order to reflect that because as you say whereas when we're talking about strength feats of strength or dexterity or agility or anything like that unless you're LARPing and you've got a pretty elaborate LARPing setup you never actually have to manifest those skills but when it comes to social skills and if you're talking out the conversation then you really have to manifest those skills right and it's impossible for you to be more charismatic or more yeah whatever right. often people take uh more charismatic to being more sort of um more forthright or more you know, flamboyant in the way they deliver stuff but that doesn't necessarily convey that additional it, it always did bother me a little bit that uh sometimes a conversation that interaction will be resolved just through talking about it as opposed to rolling I mean why do I have this number on my sheet if that charisma doesn't matter if that skill doesn't matter if I actually have to uh, convince Clint's character through my mm. Rob's ability to speak as opposed to my character's ability to speak mm. uh, yeah and that's uh, when it would be incumbent upon um, Clint to have a careful look at your sheet and figure out you know what this like if we got if we're going to resolve it purely on the basis of the strength of your argument right it's always on. Yeah. So, so yeah, absolutely. That's um, yeah. I hadn't really thought this all the way through before, but you're absolutely right. That's uh, that's perhaps an even more grey area because for a lot of people, then perhaps part of that um, where they fall on that spectrum comes from how they feel about social aspects of the game, or how they feel about their ability to convey themselves in social situations, or perhaps even their ability to act, or their ability to take on another role. If that's not your thing, then that's going to, like you say, colour the types of games that you're going to want to play. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I think that we're an odd, I don't know if we're an odd group exactly, but well, some of us are odd. But that's right. Um, but we're, we're friends. We're sort of almost. We're, we're role players together first, and then friends, and now more so friends than than role players. So that's why we you know we try to accommodate each other. But a lot a lot of groups get together specifically for the purpose of playing that game, and then as soon as the game is done, there's no further contact or communication. That, seems, that feels odd to me. That seems odd to me. Hmm. But would you be more comfortable in a game that was? Um, well, I don't mean and uh, comfortable in terms of with the people around you, but in terms of 
um, the game itself, if you're playing a sort of a more rules, um, more rules tight, and I don't want to call it heavy because that's, that wasn't what you were saying before, but sort of a tighter rule set with people that were interested in sort of editorialising conversations and and uh, resolving things through um, through dice rolls rather than actually playing any of it out. Um, I, I guess I would, but uh, but I can't. I can't disconnect that from the social aspect. For, for to, if you're asking if I would be willing to, you know, go out find another group of people that play a game system like this, then no. If I if I were able to influence you guys to go into that direction and play a game system, I guys, really the rules. Yeah, I'd be willing to do that. Yeah, and I'd but, probably enjoy it too. Sure. Yeah. But also, that's part of um, you running your own game. Right? Like, if you run your own game, then then we. You know, I can set the tone. And yeah, I can exactly. Set that, it's yeah. exactly what it's all about. Absolutely, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the point of trying to to learn how to run a game is so we end up playing the type of game I want to play. Mm, yeah. And and I think that that's all part of not being a good host is not quite the right word, but um, you know, being thoughtful and being you know, metagaming a little bit or even just that social contract of we're all here to have fun and my fun's not exactly the same as yours so you know I've got to you know meet you part of the way or even all of the way sometimes so that you get the type of experience that you're interested in and also maybe that's the type of experience that I'm interested in as well but I just don't know it yet. Yeah maybe you'll find aspects of it mm. that you'll enjoy. Right absolutely. Okay so how is this for you Dan? What is it? Um, I think I was there once. Um, it was uh, a game of uh some early edition Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Um, you know, they were a little bit younger. Sanford came with me. I met him through, <laughs> met him through work. We worked together, just me and this one guy constantly. And he, he gamed and we went with them. And they were heavy into the rules, but didn't know them. Right. And uh, everything was just straight uh, encounter and combat. And the slightest bit of role playing or immersion into character was just bizarre to them. Yeah, and uh, they couldn't even handle it. Right, and then that was the end of that. Yeah, yeah, we didn't go back. Yeah, you just just played, just played the one That's time. Right, yeah. yeah, it sounds like a, a variation on uh, on Clint's sort of idea as well. This idea of being super into the rules and and almost looking at the rules and dealing with them as as you know far too much of the game. Not yeah, and you know done. what? Only somewhat that. It more had to do with the lack of any role playing, right, of character. Right. It was just get to the area where the encounter happened mm. and the battle happened. Yeah. And uh, nothing in between those. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's probably, in that respect, I think probably you and I are closest um, in terms of how much of that sort of thing that we want. Right. The, because uh, we got a long time before rolling anything. You probably roll more than I do. I probably roll the least. There's just been games where you don't roll at all. Yeah. Mine are a little fewer. Yeah. I think it might have happened. Uh, yeah. And then probably Clint and then uh, Rob. But I'm just trying to think about, about Sanford, but maybe I'll give him another time and he can speak for himself. So Dan, who's your favourite hero and why? Actually, you know what? Who's your favourite villain first? Because you didn't do series one, so uh, who's your favourite villain why? I, I don't believe I even really have one. Is there a particular type of villain that you like? Um, I like the ones that show the human side. Right. I mean, they can be devious, but they're not really deranged. Right. Anybody in particular that comes to mind along those lines? Like, like this, this, the archetypes that I've introduced before is like Hans Gruber or Hannibal Lecter or the Joker, you know, or Lex Luthor. Those are sort of the four. It would be a Lex Luthor type, but right. not really particularly that one. Right. Okay. What about a hero? 
Um, the ones who probably rise up from nothing who have to go through a transformation. Right. I mean, a, a lot do, but those are the ones that appeal to me the most who weren't uh, given their gifts or something like that. Does that require a long, does that require, uh, if I can be arty for it, does that require a larger tableau? Like, can you get that from a character in a movie? Or do well, you, you can, I mean, it's just not going to be as good. But Well, that's what yeah. I mean. Like, do you prefer a character that evolves over a miniseries? Like, for example, Game of Thrones, because it's, it's topical, but there are other ones. Like, no, you it can be in a movie. Yeah? Movie or book. Right. It's heavy emphasis on that early part. Yeah, the, the front part's always the most interesting to me, but... Um, the yeah. training part in the movie with the... That's one of the requirements the hero would have to have. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, yeah. That episode of the yeah, South Park episode. Team America World Police. Oh, okay, was it? Yeah, yeah. I, I never really liked montages at all up until that point, but then when there was a Team America World Police <laughs> montage and a montage song, every time I see a montage after that, I'm just like, I don't, you know, I can't do I understand that they're um, useful. Um, well, I mean, you got like Rocky IV. They when have to be a little bit flawed. training out in the totally Siberian uh, yeah. with the alcohol. Uh, a little flaw is good. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, I can't associate. Right, you're wrong. You're a Randall villain. I don't know about, I don't know, I can't think of a particular villain, but I definitely like the idea that uh, the villainy is just depending on what side of the fight you're on. Right, right, so Lex Luthor type. The Lex Luthor type, yeah, absolutely. That, if your perspective was a little bit different, or you lived on this side of the tracks, or if you lived in that country, that villain would be the hero. You don't think sometimes just bad is bad? Well, I, I do, but he's asking me what type of villains I, I, I like, what I enjoy. I, I think I like the uh, uh, the gray zones. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Yeah, well, that's okay. what yeah. interest lies. Yeah, you right? can almost see the hero in the villain, you know? Mm. So I think that's that makes it interesting. Yeah, that's one of the things that, um, that's sort of like two, at least in my my way of thinking, there are two sort of ways that to, to have your hero and your villain. You can juxtapose them, or you can have them um, be almost identical, except yeah. their ideology. Right. Right. And Just their perspective's a little bit different, and that changes. Mm. And that and that makes all the difference. Well, I think, especially with the uh, the whole concept of like the antihero, right. or with somebody who uses the same basic methods as the villains, usually like violence or just out and out brutality but for a specific goal that is sort of good yeah like the Punisher Punisher Wolverine something like that right because you're the biggest comic book uh, reader amongst us here you've probably got a much sort of richer um, background to to choose from in size and fandom that's yeah what um yeah so choose something really obscure so that somebody go oh I know about that and the rest of us will just switch so go ahead and talk we'll just uh we'll just roll our eyes while you do that yeah anybody who's your favorite hero um it's really hard to pick for heroes because a lot of them are are basically the same in a movie it's it's about the journey and all that kind of thing of rising up like when you were just Dan you were describing your hero coming up that's like every comic book hero every movie basically is the same thing with with maybe like um, 
I know the exception would be something like Harry Potter, where it's like you're born into that magic. Mm. But even that's kind of that same. Well, it's still journey. a heroic journey. Yeah, he's still, yeah. Too, he's yeah. still doing the heroic journey. I mean, yeah. You look at the characteristics of that, and I think you could fit Harry Potter into that. It wouldn't be that one. But you guys don't like the big, ultra, super good guy type heroes, the Dudley Do Rights? Like who? Like Dudley Do Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not Dudley Do Right times. No, no, no. Actually, I, to, to pull them, I mean, I don't know about uh, comic books and movies, but I mean, like the, the Master Like Chiefs. Superman or something like that. Where yeah, it's the just guys like, who are, they're just good. And they'll fight against evil just because they're so damn good. Hmm. Yeah, but is that because of how evil is presented in those stories? Uh, well, the, the one I... Well, I mean, that's kind of the force of nature, evil, where it's just something like, it's just out here to destroy humanity. You can't reason with it. You can't convince it not to. It's just going to wipe us out. It's an easy choice. Look, yeah. yeah. The, the absence is... Well, the, the example I, I put on was a, Master yeah. Chief. The difference between... From the Halo <laughs> series. And, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> the bad guys in that were, were bad. Right. You know, not all of them were, but in general, the push to, for like, what they like were Mass doing, they looked or something, bad. too. Well, yeah, well, yeah, actually, Mass Effect, but they were obviously bad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I kind of like the larger than life, do everything, no matter what the cost to themselves type of hero. All right, fair enough. All right, so um, what are our rules for uh, role-playing snacks? Rules? And what are our rules for role-playing snacks? Apparently, Maynard's wine gums. Wine gums. I'm pretty Please. sure then a chocolate so. somebody's going to bring Maynard wine gums and then uh, somebody's going to bring if you're looking for a sponsor for the show it should be Maynard wine gums <laughs> Maynard is probably this, yeah. this week's well, Penny Red <laughs> Maynard wine gums that's they right. are probably the best snack in existence that's, well, they, yeah, they, yeah that's true although the worst, part, the worst thing about the Maynard's wine gum is that it's hard to GM and that the that's right. The hardest thing about the best thing about the Maynard's wine gum, those are the worst thing. The best thing about the Maynard's wine gum is that if you're the GM and you eat something, it gives you a chance to take a break from having to uh, to talk. Hey, I know when I'm having a bad day and I <laughs> chomp on some Maynard's. It really looks beautiful. Like that, that's right. It really does it for you. <laughs> Absolutely. That keeps me waking up in the morning. <laughs> Maynard's. So um, yeah, I do the same thing only with my bathroom breaks. That's right. Maynard's in the bathroom. <laughs> you take my instant bathroom. I need a moment to think of the game, so it's like, well, now's a good time for a bathroom break. That's right. Oh, yeah. Okay. How am I going to get out of this? These guys have totally cornered me, and I've got nothing. <laughs> so, nothing. I'll just, I just need to, uh, <laughs> just need to go to... Okay, so, if you could be a character in a role-playing game, what uh, character would you be, and in, uh, in what game? And you don't... It doesn't mean that you can roll up here. I mean, like, suddenly, all of, you know, you are... In a role-playing game, or in a, or in a work of fiction, I suppose we can expand it to that. You're looking at me, and I'm yes. I, I don't. Yes. You never imagine yourself being in a role-playing game. You don't want to be Master Chief in Halo. Well, well like, okay, uh, video games, sure, yeah, Master Chief, easy. absolutely. Why? Why would you want to be Master Chief? Because he kicks ass. What's that? <laughs> uh, drag? No, no, that guy's that guy has the shitty life. Oh, I mean, okay. seriously, there's nothing's gonna go right yeah, for him. What about one of the other ones? Uh, actually, one of the other ones, yeah, like uh, Perrin and Barra. Yeah. He's a good one. He's like the Wolf King. Yeah, Perrin and Barra. Why is that? Uh, because uh, he actually, I, I found that his growth throughout the series is probably the most dramatic and most enjoyable, and he's closer to that idyllic, uh, do everything right, no matter the cost to him type of bigger than life mm. hero. Right. Yeah, so I, I would pick him. What, Dan? I'd pick somebody that uh, was a lot funner. 
somebody who's really good uh, completely. He's got to be. He needs a little gritty too. Yeah, I like. Uh, it would be dangerous being Master Chief. Hmm? It'd be dangerous being Master Chief. Yeah, that's why I went with the Wolf King guy, apparently. So. Um, I can see maybe a Tony Stark type character in a superhero game. Right. So, like, specifically somebody with no inherent that's uh, right. abilities, just yeah. purely mechanically based, like Batman. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Money is the ultimate superpower, anyway. Well, that's, that's right. Well, that's just it. I. Um, I always prefer the heroes that are not actually um, are not actually magic if, if you will like, there's no the ones that doesn't require doesn't require any particular science to describe their abilities Tony Tony Stark and Batman it's magic it's just a different type of magic okay. their magic is magical training and magical technology sure but it doesn't require that you should alter the, the laws of the universe kind of right? does not really well, I mean, the arc reactor is, is no, kind, of, kind of does for both of them. The early stuff didn't get into that so much, I think. So, it, you're just talking about a different type of magic. He has the same basic but, tools that we all have. Well, yes and no, because I can, conceive, I can conceive of the arc reactor actually working one day. This tiny little cold fusion reactor. That's conceivable to me. But suddenly being able to move something with my mind, yeah, that makes no sense. I, can't, I can't conceive yeah, can't. that ever being real. You can conceive it, but it doesn't make it any less magical. Mm. Like I said, it kind of is. Batman is more his abilities. It's, oh yeah, no, not superpowers. Yeah, kind of superpowers. It's more supernatural than magic. Hmm? <laughs> but he can. But he can. Look, it is conceivable for somebody to, to train themselves up to be. If you take magic. one specific thing that he does. Yes, but I can train to repel from buildings like Batman. But that's exactly the point, is that each one of those kinds of things is within the human ability. But the combination of the, all of them the makes him magical. But it doesn't, makes him super. But it doesn't require me to suspend, suspend my disbelief at that aspect of the film. I don't have to suspend my disbelief that magic is or isn't real to be able to enjoy Batman. It's not part of what I have to do when I go to watch a film. I don't have to do that for Tony Stark. I can conceive of these things being real, but I cannot rationalize or conceive of how magic is real. So that's part of my job when I go to I have to suspend disbelief in that respect. I, I, well, I mean, if you want a real, real superhero, there's Vigilante. But I mean, there's a reason DC canceled that after like 50 issues. Well, yeah, no, I... I, I I, I agree. I mean, you can't, you want your superheroes to be super. They, they need to be extraordinary. But, no, but they're okay. Not super, but extraordinary. Well, sure, obvious. Yeah, yeah. But heroes, right? Like extraordinary to the point where they might as well be super. I mean, I, that's the only point I'm making is when you're talking about Tony Stark and Batman, Iron Man and Batman, and say, well, they're not really superheroes in the traditional sense, blah, 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 they don't have powers. Well, they kind of do. They're just... The, their hand waved away and called technology and training. But that technology and training does not exist in our world right now. Well, super and may not ever. Yeah. Well, superheroes are, are movies are super hot right now. So hot right now. Um, and uh, So, uh, what's your favorite superhero movie then, Rob? Oh, uh, Avengers. Avengers? I mean, I, uh, I'm not bashing Iron Man because I really do enjoy the Iron Man movies. And I, and I like the Iron Man character. Is that I, the best lights? Absolutely. Yeah. How no. much that's the lines? How much that's Robert Downey Jr.? Well, it's both. I think they're so intertwined. I think the way he delivers the, the lines is the 
the way he does it. The character, he did, yeah, no, I think the way he delivers it, the way he plays the character. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Clint? Um, I think Captain America was the best movie so far. The, the Marvel's of done. Of all the superheroes? Um, for, for the Marvel. Or? For Marvel. Right. Um, maybe uh, like Heath Ledger's uh, Dark Knight. Right, okay. With Heath Ledger as Batman. Or as Joker. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been awesome, yeah. I didn't see that movie. <laughs> we saw a different movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it's hard because of the production quality of some of them, but... Oh, but the story, just the story. Right? I just can't quite accept one of those, you know, Iron Man or Avengers or Batman. It's, it lacks, most of them lack real character. Hmm, true. So, I don't know. My favorite is Unbreakable. Really? Yeah, I sort of... Yeah. It's... Yeah. What's, what's because again, that's almost a, almost a real guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I and it's know. how a real person would sort of have to deal with strong, yeah. powers. Yeah. And that, well, I mean, like that Watchmen is pretty much unpowered except for Doctor Manhattan. Well, and it's perhaps, you're looking for that. So. But it's harder because it's it's a little out of place and time. Whereas you know the guy from Unbreakable, could yeah, be, really could be anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Unbreakable, I mean, it sounds like the thing that you liked about it was the tone. Just the I do, yeah, I did, I like the, yeah, I did like the tone. I don't really go for fantastical superheroes. Yeah, the level of but it was, but Yeah, but it was good, but it, like you say, like, I think you hit the nail on the head there, and it's just the, the, um, the realness, I suppose, of the way the characters responded to the, to the discovery, and, um, just Samuel L. Jackson's character and Samuel L. Jackson's portrayal of him was was awesome, right? Like he was totally believable as the guy that he was, right? The, the, he was the breakable the, Mr. Glass. Yeah, yeah. But it was Mr. Great. Glass, that's yeah. right. But it was, it was great, like a, it was, yeah. I thought of what would be my favorite, and I've watched it a few times, and I can't feel like we remember um, what it was called at the moment, but it was about the kid who got beat up and dressed up in the green suit, and Nicholas Cage Oh, Kick-Ass? Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass, I think Kick-Ass. No, no superpowers, right? That's right. And did you... I mean, you read the book, Clint. I didn't read the book. How was it? I, I never read the book, no. Oh, it must have been Sanford to read the book. Yeah. I know there's some changes from it. Like, he, the, the girl, he doesn't get the girl at the end. He just basically... He's the same loser he was before, but... Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, so I've got a few verses here for you. Uh, Gandalf versus... Well, before I say this, have you ever read Lord of the Rings? Yes. Everybody read Harry Potter? No. No, no I haven't read Harry Potter. Have you seen the films? Yeah, yeah I've no. seen enough of them to know. You read the both? You don't read both of them? Yeah. Oh. I mean, Harry Potter takes like, um, you can read the first couple books in like an hour or something. It's pretty quick. Well, you're a speed reader and read those now. I mean, you don't have to like think a lot about what you're reading. Oh, I think you're missing a deeper message here, Clint. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> deeper message. That's right. So, uh, Gandalf or Dumbledore? They don't have to have a fight. Gandalf. Why? Because it's freaking Gandalf, man. I mean, he's pretty. He is a god, pretty much. Yeah, like, no, Gan- sure. Dumbledore is just some guy. Just some guy. Come on now. <laughs> and he's just he, some guy. Well, I mean, he, other guests have said it too, but he's kind of like they kind of leave Harry out to dry, basically. Like he he could do a lot more than what he does. I, I mean, you could make the same argument about about Gandalf. Yeah, you can. You but can. that was kind of the idea. While 
the gods aren't supposed to interfere in the in the world of mortal men or whatever, but Dumbledore just did Dumbledore have a really I'm I'm kicking ass type of moment? Did he have a fight with the Balrog type of moment? Yo, he fought to Voldemort and the uh, Ministry nah, of Magic. Not Voldemort. A fight with the Balrog. It's an epic god battle. Was well, there? I mean, like, at that? least with the Balrog, that was decisive. Like, yeah. But the win with Voldemort, it was just like, yeah, um, something happened, and they went off to their separate corners, and Harry would have to finish the job. I'm sure I'm missing a lot of nuances from not reading the books of Dumbledore's abilities and skills as a as a yeah. wizard. But uh, no, I gotta go give it to Gandalf just because of the Balrog fight, and the fact that you know he died and came back. If you can't kill him, how are you gonna beat him? Yeah, well, like I said, they're not really necessarily going to have a fight. I just mean in terms of uh, how you felt about the character. Oh, and I, I would say even even with that, I like Gandalf better. But okay. again, I haven't well, read uh, Definitely it. Gandalf. Uh, yeah, you know, he's a bit of a trickster. Right. He's, he's definitely more laid back. True, but he, he carries this weight. Well, yeah, he will. Have to sometimes. <laughs> Well, maybe not all of us. <laughs> <We are. laughs> <laughs> all of us gods have bad, bad days. Yes. That's right. So Gandalf was... Gandalf, what are you going Oh, yeah, Gandalf, for sure. What? For pretty much the same reasons, too. Is that not a product of our age, though? Probably, yeah. Is that because we kind of missed uh, the Harry Potter in our formative years? No. No, I'm, I'm really trying to look at the characters. Uh, I mean, it's been, a, for me, a long time since I read Lord of the Rings. I read that early. Oh, but I mean, but the movie I'm, came out, I'm, too. I'm, I'm, well, I mean, I, I think I've read Lord of the Rings like five or six times. I love those awesome Bashki films. <laughs> oh, God. I never did. No, not even no. Wizards? No. I never did. Well, I thought, I thought the rotoscoping was atrocious, even as a kid. So, yeah. yeah. All right, what about um, John McClane or Han Solo? McClane? I would say. Uh, I mean, I, I like even, Han Solo. Me, I don't even get the whole Die Hard thing. I don't even see how they're on the same level. What do you mean? I don't, I don't think McClane is really that cool of a character that he should be brought up in the same <laughs> Actually, what's the question exactly? No, that's just it. There isn't one. It's just versus. Who do you prefer? Yeah, just like, who do I prefer? In modern no speed. conditions. In modern speed. Well, he didn't draw. Yeah. Just versus. No, it's just versus. In any respect. Yeah. You versus. answered how you oh. yeah. Come on, Rob. Okay, if we're talking like uh, who's actually <laughs> did stuff. Okay, well, you know they both ever accomplished something. You know they both not real, so neither one of them accomplished anything. Well, in the story, in their own universe. Okay, sure. Okay, All right. whoever actually accomplished okay. something, All right, go ahead. you'd have to give it to John McClane. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> his universe. The scope of what he has to do. Okay. Yeah. He, I mean, John Hawk has a solo. Yeah. With his well, how did he ever do? He was just saving, he was just saving the galaxy. Yeah. 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 How, how did he save the galaxy? He, he shot down, shot out Darth Vader's TIE fighter. No, he, he did. He shot the guy beside Darth what? Vader who took out Darth Vader. But he would have taken he out Darth Vader. He didn't even take out Darth Vader, so other shot. He would have come back. He had a shot, and he didn't take it at Darth Vader. Vader, he took it at the other guy. No, no, he did. I mean, you want, no. you want to try piloting the Millennium Falcon and shooting oh, the same time? He made the wrong shot. <laughs> Those guys were behind him on purpose to protect him. <laughs> he couldn't have hit them straight away if he wanted to. Because he wasn't, he wasn't overhead. He was at an angle, so there's no way he could have shot Darth Vader. Oh my god, really? Uh, yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was piloting the Millennium Falcon that tiny little 
channel. Yeah, that's and he took amazing. a shot. He hit the other guy. He took the shot at the wrong guy. Well, he hit the guy, and that guy hit Vader, and Vader spoke. Oh, so he, he, he got lucky. So who's luckier? Yeah, maybe Han's lucky. He didn't take that guy out. He took them both out. That's right. He oh, you think he planned that? Yes. You what do we have to take out? You're making it all in one shot. Yes. I'm talking about the character of the people. The no, Han, Han is definitely a cooler character, in my opinion. But, like I say, I think uh, as far as... John McClane stopped some guy getting rich. <laughs> but oh, did he actually did it. Oh, but wait, but what about what about in episode four though? Like, did he he saved the world in the episode four? Like, he just ratcheted it up. So he saved the city in three, and then yeah, that's right. He said, so "How do you save the world in, in four? I can't remember what he did." Oh, it's the that's the cyber terror. Yeah, he stopped oh, okay. cyber attack. I'm yeah, sure. right. it was all very impressive. Right. Yeah. But it was only PG thirteen, so he couldn't. Yeah, no, I really didn't. Like and I heard the fifth. I heard the fifth one's terrible. Well, I think the Crystal Skull universe. No, no, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah, Die Harder. Yeah, yeah, Die Die Hard. Yeah. Well, I know what's based on. I mean, that was the whole thing. Is that I think a number of those latter movies were not written for John McClane. They were just scripts that were. Yeah, I heard that actually. The movie is coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I mean, yeah, I almost feel. Guilty by picking him over on Solo, but I. Well, what did you pick him? Would you pick him over Indiana Jones? Maybe. Because <laughs> what? what has Indy ever done for us? Oh, are you out of your mind? Dominic. I mean, just prevented the Nazis from getting the Ark of the Covenant oh, by taking oh, over the he world. He took all this power and he, he just hid it away. Oh, the government hid it away. He melts faces. Yeah. The government hid it away. No, you're absolutely right. I. Indy, for sure. Uh, what about uh, Indy or Indy or Deckard from Blade Runner? Hmm, I don't know. Robot skull. That's right. Yeah. Well, he might be one himself, though. Right? Well, is yeah, that's confirmed. Ball. Confirmed. Yeah. Confirmed. Confirmed. Trying to go Ridley Scott. Really? Ridley Scott. Wrong one. Oh, okay. Ridley Scott or Tony Scott? Who was Ridley Scott? Who was Ridley? Scott? Tony Scott was uh, Top Gun. Right. Yeah. yeah. Almost the same film. Well, no, I think Indy would be out him too. Uh, yeah. Alright, what about Indiana Jones or James Bond? <laughs> oh wow, James Bond, huh? Depends on who's playing James Bond. Does it now, alright. Does it? Who's your Bond? No, it doesn't. Indy overall of them. Yeah. Who's, your, who's your James Bond? I agree, because... I haven't seen any of the newer ones, so... Really? No. Those are the only ones I actually like. Well, what's the last one you saw? Um, I've only... I've never seen any of the Daniel Craig ones. Hmm. Alright. Really? What have you seen? Like just Pierce Brosnan? Um, Timothy Dalton? I th- no, no. Uh, I think I've seen a couple of the uh, Sean Connery ones. Roger Moore? No, I don't think no, so. Roger Moore. I, mean, I was never that much. Yeah, it wasn't much when I was growing up either. Yeah. Huh. It was Star Wars. I, I really liked him, but I don't know. Yeah. I liked him in that kind of lazy Saturday afternoon, nothing else is on kind of way, but I never really got Being too excited Bond about him. seems them. troublesome. <laughs> it's a lot know, of work. Like you're all, yeah, like you're always working. You know, I mean, yeah, Indiana gets into a lot of trouble, but, you know, he has, a, he has some relaxing moments I didn't hear in there. He has some <laughs> groupies. That's right. He's got, he, yeah. does, he does his shooting groupies, that's true. Camel rides and you know, right. donkey rides and whatnot. All right, what about Hermione or uh, Princess Leia? Well, I think it's again. It's I mean, her mind was never in a metal bikini, so. Yeah, I think just a part of my age. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's right. Yeah, they, 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 they go. They look on your resume. Uh, <laughs> save the world. Yeah, check. 
Metal bikini? No. <laughs> Metal bikini. Well, I mean, for most of them, she was, yeah, she was in her age, so that wouldn't have been. Well, and the thing is, is we're talking about two women that are totally, they're almost equally far from my age, you know? Like one's just so much younger than me, and one's quite a bit older than you me. You know, we're so. not talking about banging one of them. We're just talking about which one you like the best. Well, you just said versus. Oh, versus. Oh, it's the same thing, right? Oh, maybe you need both of them at the same time. Kind of the same thing. <laughs> a youthist experience. Yeah. <laughs> Leia, you know, at that time, absolutely, Leia. Yeah. No. All right. Yeah. Is she still a princess? What? I don't no idea. Well, no, I mean, like, because Alderaan got blown up, but she apprenticed after Alderaan gets blown up. Well, because there's still the exile community of Alderaan, right? There was, Is there was, there was, there was, there was one Alderaan when they got blown up? She was the only one off the planet? Is that what you're saying? Maybe the people for Alderaan were like the Japanese. You're like, only, like, that's the smallest expatriate population of any, uh, of, of any of the. I think the you got to answer that question how many Alderaans are there left, right? Alderaanians. Really? You're going to correct me on a fictional... <laughs> really? I think okay. she still is. I, mean, even I think she whole, would be, yeah. Even if a whole people get eradicated and you're the... It's a courtesy title. Well, it's... it's but then why would you, well, then would you be promoted to queen during... Memory doesn't die right away. She was the empress of... Well, that's true. She could have gotten a promotion out of this. Yeah, she could have the empress of all wrong. That's right. For all the marbles, yeah. Dan. Yes. 100 points between yeah. system, yeah. players, and GM. Um... Uh, system would be 10. And then, uh, system doesn't matter? That's right. Alright. Yeah. <coughs> um, 45 and 45. Alright. Rob? 70 people. Yeah, you That's such a convincing argument, too. <laughs> to what makes the game enjoyable? Um. Well, in terms of what you think are important, the importance. To, yeah, like how important do you think? Those I'm going to give the I'm going to give the system a little bit higher, but not tons higher. It's going to be like 25. Right. Uh, GM, I think a good GM can make or break a game. So give them 40. Was that 65, 35 player? Let's go 20, 40, 40. Right, fair enough. And what was that? What was yours? Do you remember? Um, I think I want a third. I, I said a third, a third, a third. I think. You still but, feel like that? Um, I'm leaning more towards the gym having more importance, but yeah, I like to. Because, like you're saying, a GM can rescue a bad. Well, then again, so can the players, though. Too. Yeah. That's why I kind of try to keep those equal, right? But I mean, the lack of system or 10, 50, the system 40. is still a system. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's a symbiotic sort of relationship. I mean, you can't. That's true. Yeah. You can't raise it above the bar if you've got a crappy players. Yeah, that, well, it's, you that, won't that, be stuck. For sure. Yeah, I mean, like you say, it is a symbiosis, and it does require everything to. And I run. think a whole bunch of good players and a crappy GM, I think they could still push it. Yeah, I agree with you. No, oh, yeah, agree. maybe. Um, sure, but uh, you don't think that the system can inspire good play by giving people some some limited choices, any one of which will help to create an enjoyable fiction. Not particularly. Right. You're talking system. Or I think you can do it without system. Right, so you think the GM can make that happen? The systems are important? Yeah. Yeah, because you're not talking about setting or story. You're just talking about, like, the rule system, right? Sure, but that rule system can give tools to a GM. As much as it can help, it can hinder. Yeah, like I said, I'd put a little bit more importance than Dan does, but I don't think think it's that equal with the players of the GM. 
Alrighty. Clint, what about uh, one role-playing related wish? What would it be? That everybody buys a copy of my book when it comes out. Pleasure. <laughs> Clint Johnson, Dan Melvin, and Rob Homer. Good night, everybody. <laughs>